Do I know Amit? No, not personally. World's first bogeyman. Avatars. Blue people. Love that film. A anime. Are you going to kill me? I can't help you. This week on the podcast, we discuss Moon Knight. One podcast to rule them all. One podcast to find them. One podcast to bring them all and in the darkness find them. The game is on, Watson. I've got a bad feeling about this. What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the podcast guy? I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid, unless you made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissors joke for you. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. I am genre podcast. It's all genre to me. podcast hello we are recording welcome <laughs> week two <laughs> welcome are we having fun yet oh my gosh I'm i can't believe fun. it um so we're here and we're talking about moon Knight episode two moon Knight episode two i'm not phoning it in long distance this week this is a good one. Um, we're really happy to say we're going to have marginally better audio today. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're recording together. Yeah. This is one of our first episodes that we're doing together. And we even have a lot of audience. Yeah, studio audience. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, our first ever live show. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's what did the podcast think? boyfriend. That's yes. what it is. <laughs> he who will remain unnamed. <laughs> um what did you think i thought it was amazing i just you know i think when we watch these marvel shows like like i said after i was so excited about the choices that wandavision and loki were making i kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop in yeah. terms of like Okay, when's it going to be the classic Marvel format procedural? Like, okay, it's time for Sword and Shield to come in. And then there's going to be the big boss battle. And there's the classic villain. And I am hoping that, like, WandaVision, they steered out of the skid. They went weird. They went bold. They had really ambitious first four choices, first four episodes with good choices. And then went in a new direction. A, a, what I will say is a bad direction. <laughs> and I, I thought it was fine. And um, Loki, I think, was a little more willing to stick to those choices. Like, I think it was still a little slow and expositional at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But by the end, I was like, where the hell are we? Don't worry, everybody. No spoilers if you haven't seen Loki and Wanda. We're not yet in spoiler country. We're, yeah, we still have, like, I don't know, we're sitting at arrival, or we're sitting at departures, we're at the <laughs> gate, um, but yeah, we're not boarding yet, and I just think this is maybe the first show, especially since there is no precedent for his character, that they're going to make 
some really good choices. I hope so. I feel like the crossovers, the little Easter eggs have always been my favorite part of Marvel, but I kind of find myself hoping that we don't see anyone else we know, that he is oh my just God. truly alone in his little pocket of this universe. I completely agree. I mean, I love Randall Park. I love him so much. You know what? He's the one that I'll allow. He can but if up. I see Cat Dennings, a straight to jail, okay? <laughs> this pod can fuck off. Yeah. All right. Well, should we head into spoiler country? Yes, we shall. Now boarding. Hello, everyone. This is your captain speaking. We will be beginning our descent into spoiler country. The local time is spoiler o'clock. Please use caution as you listen on, because as I said, it's all spoilers from here. All right, so episode two, if you were listening last week, which, oh, we should have said, um, I don't know if we're just very popular with the robot community, <laughs> or if 200 of you are actually listening to this podcast, either way, welcome, welcome to the bots, welcome to the people. Yes. Um, if you were listening last week, uh, you may have heard our theory, which was that we were going to get this episode opening from Mark's perspective. We didn't get that. We were still from Steven's perspective, very immediately he freaking falls out of his bed and from that split second we know this is steven that's steven that's steven he's afraid yeah but long story short he uh he gets fired from his job yeah uh, <laughs> yeah he uh, vandalized a toilet as he puts it uh, <laughs> talks to his golden friend in the park and realizes oh my gosh i gotta check out this storage locker mm-hmm um, cause he's got the key that came with the cell phone. Mm. He goes to it and discovers a freaking bed in there. Ah! He's been living in there. Uh, Mark's like, <laughs> give me the body, give me the, except he doesn't have a British he doesn't, accent. He has an American accent, yeah. which I'm like, this guy's American? I, I don't even know what Oscar has is anymore. <laughs> is he, does, what accent does he have normally? I think he has an American accent. Okay. I think Poe Dameron is his yes. accent. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mark wants the body... Uh, Steven refuses. He gets chased down by Khonshu, runs into Layla, who has shown up. Uh, Convenient. Conveniently. <laughs> yes. Perfect for a 30-minute show. <laughs> she got there very fast after he, uh, mm-hmm. after he called her. Um, he finds out that she's his wife. This is a twist. Uh, but My then... Wife. What happens next? Oh, yeah. The cops show up. They may or may not be real cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take him from his apartment and take him to... A creepy cult place where Arthur Harrow has got all of his followers. Mark wants the body. Conchie wants the body. Steven wants the body. Steven still has the body, but then he's fighting. Whose body is it? Conchie thinks it's his. He does. Okay, I got some questions yeah, for when we, we get we into it. Yeah, we got a lot it. to talk about, but um, finally... Mark gets the body and uh, kicks some butt, and then Steven ends up trapped, and he is stuck in the body where Mark has yeah, been. He's stuck in the mirror realm. He's in the mirror dimension, except not actually the mirror dimension, but you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we so next episode, we, we got what we predicted, which is Mark Spector's point of view. So we're going to get that. I'm very excited. I can't wait. Um, okay, so do we just go chronologically through some of these plot points, through yeah. some of these notes? Let's do it. Okay, um, so I'll start with some of my notes from Act 1, 
when you talked about that he falls out of his bed, we opened on that sand image. Yes. And I just, I love this sand imagery that it's like sort of going back and forth and you can't tell because I thought, are we in Egypt? I had the same thought. And then no, we're in the sand on the floor. And I'm just getting really obsessed with like the art direction and the imagery because I think like the sand works so well that like the he didn't have to have the sand around his bed. Yep. But it really yields to Stephen's specific problem. And it also yields itself to Mark's specific problem, which is that sometime he went to Egypt and got stuck with Khonshu. Yes. And I also am having this like kind of new thing in like what is Sans' relationship to glass? And, like, how do people associate those things? And the fact that, like, glass and reflective things are so imperative to this show that, like, every single thing in this show is reflecty. And I, like, I just rewatched episode one. And when they're in the um, museum, a bunch of the artifacts are covered by glass. And you can see tiny reflections of, like, Mark or um, Konshu or people walking around. And it's so amazing. And, like, even when we're in the storage unit, there's mirrors. And, like, I don't know. It it keeps you on edge to be thinking, like, any one of these mirrors, Mark is going to show up. Yeah. And I think, like, whether consciously or subconsciously, you notice, like, the mirror dimension. You have such a keen sense of it. Um, And that was really exciting for me. I know that we just said we were going to talk chronologically, but I actually have kind of an overarching thought. Yes. So last week we talked about kind of at the end in our predictions, this character arc that we foresaw for Steven, which was that he is this like kind of doofy, lame guy who no one takes seriously and that his character arc needs to be about him taking himself seriously and being taken seriously by Mm -hmm. Khonshu, by others. And I think that we are well on our way to having that fulfilled. And I yeah. thought that right at the beginning, yeah. the moment where he is talking to the security guard and trying to like, you know, the security guards cordoning off the it area with the broken toilet. And Mark's like, you know, you got to listen to me. Like, I, I think I know something about this. And this security guard just has this kind of moment of like, okay. Yeah. And he looks him in the eye and he's like, I believe you. Yeah. And... Then, of course, he still calls him Scotty, and so yeah. it's like we haven't progressed too far, yeah. but he is he is on that path to being taken seriously. And I love that we ended up in a place where when Stephen finally decides, like, he's falling out of a window, he's going to call the suit, he's going to summon the suit. Yeah. He summons a suit, but it's not the Mark Spector suit. No. It is a suit that is there. So there's now two superhero outfitted personas. Yes. One occupied by Mark conscious, Mark's consciousness, one occupied by Steven's. And Mark even compliments Steven on his punching. Like, yes. he is, he, Mark's like, give me the body. And Steven's like, no, I think I got this. Yeah. And I he ends up not it. having it. Well, we'll yes. get to that. <laughs> but he, he is starting to have it. He is. I also loved the Hound of the Baskervilles reference. Yes. The dogs that are all in your head. Yes. Yeah, they do such a good job of, like, making really relevant references. I thought it was really kind of, like, horrifying. Like, we've been talking about, like, how the scariest part is, like, the demon is inside of you. Like, the call is coming from inside the house. And what I thought was really shocking when he was talking to the security guard is when they're looking at the security footage 
And he's like, whoa, look at you. You're scared. You're running around. You vandalized the toilet. And then yes. you see afterwards, Mark looks directly into the camera because he realizes this is now a problem. We've been caught on camera. And then he goes, look, Scotty, that's you. And he goes, that's not me. Yes. And it just, it's so scary because it's like one of the first times that like, Stephen obviously knows that this is happening to him, but then to like, it's just that like final nail in the coffin of like, this is real. No matter how many times you say like, I didn't see that person on the bus. I didn't see that. Like now you and some other person are having like physical evidence. Yes. That you are dissociative. Well, and he was so excited up till that point to watch the footage because he wanted proof that he wasn't crazy. He wanted the security guard to see this giant jackal that was chasing him. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Steven's the only one who can see it. And I know. So he is still face. He's like has physical evidence and yet it's physical evidence of the fact that he's seeing something no one else can see. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so unsettling for me. I agree. I thought there was also a lot of great kind of small moments in this episode addressing that kind of like fractured identity mm-hmm. from when he's talking to the uh, gosh the HR person who's like telling him about the the doctors and he's like oh kind of posh in it yeah <laughs> which is so funny but then he gives up his name tag and I wrote that down too moment of him taking off his name and then in the next scene well after he's talking to his gold painted friend he is goes to this storage unit and he's like trying to describe he's like yeah it might be under the name Stephen Grant and it might be Mark just Mark no last name like I've been to 50 units today mm-hmm. and the security guard's like oh yeah like it's you like mm-hmm. I never forget a face but he doesn't say which name he knows him as he doesn't identify him with a name but he knows his face mm-hmm. and to me that was such an interesting moment of like his name is not his identity his face yes. is his identity Yes, which then brings Mark into the identity. Like, he is not the... Like, we are the identity. Right. And then he immediately finds a passport with his photograph and Mark Spector's name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I also have a lot of notes on how this episode continues to do... Like, have a really tight script. Um, But when you have that tight of a script, you do have to get some exposition in there, especially in 40 minutes. And I was just kind of dying, especially in the first act, for how much, like, really convenient exposition yeah. <laughs> there was. Um, like we talked about, the gold man. It's literally a place where he can just go and explain to you what's happening. Yep. <laughs> and I do like it. And something I haven't quite figured out yet is the gold man looked at him yeah. at the end of their interaction. And in the two interactions we've seen, he didn't do that the first time. Mm -mm. And so I was like, is he, like, you know, breaking this person who has had no relationship with him? Like, did they just begin a relationship? Like, the next time we see the gold man, is he going to be, like, a sidekick? You know what I mean? Is he going to be like, Steven, how's Mark? Like, where's your wife? It was, that was such an interesting moment because the way they shot it with the close-up of his eyes... Even before he, like, kind of accepted the hug and, Mm -hmm. like, moved his eyes, his eye was, like, moving just a tiny bit. And that was interesting to me because during the first episode, I almost couldn't tell if he was a real person or a statue. He was so perfectly still. And the way those were shot, they were all a little bit further away. Mm -hmm. And 
it really just looked like Mar- Stephen was talking to this man who may or may not have been listening. Yeah. This time, every time, you know, you have Stephen talking and then you have this close-up of the eyes that are, like, moving just the smallest amount. And I was like, this man is listening. He yes. He's listening. Yes. And he may or may not be doing something with this information in his head. Like, yes. It may- almost made me wonder, like, does this man work for Arthur Harrow? Like, oh, my God. Is he involved somehow or is he truly just this random bystander wow i didn't even think about that i was thinking like he can only be good but like yeah he doesn't necessarily have to be good and like there's different carrots of gold like there's different levels of purity there's like there's gold plating like things can be different than what they appear and that's exactly what he is because he's not a gold statue no he's a he's a man and what if he's a bad man. Mm. A bad gold man. <laughs> um, speaking of exposition, though, we did get quite a bit from Mark's reflection in the storage unit. Yes. We got a nice little, I am Conchu's avatar. Mm-hmm. We, I probably transcribed this wrong, but we defend the defenseless and deliver yes. Conchu's justice. Yes. Um, I feel like one of the ways that's almost, I mean, it's a trope at this point, but to like break the exposition is by having Stephen deliver the line he delivers next, which is, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, mm-hmm. which I think brings a little levity and pokes fun at the idea of someone delivering this like monologue that no one would give in real life, in real like conversation. Yes. But, you know, it still is a chunk of exposition. I also think there. that's just like a classically great Marvel hack. Yeah. Of like, whatever you're doing, don't forget that like you know, we can turn this on its side and, you know, that's America's ass. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't forget that we know we're a funny little genre and yeah. that, like, we can't sell it 100%. But I also think you can, and so sometimes I wish that they would be just, like, pedal to the metal in their earnestness because yeah. while I think so much of DC is not done well, that, like, there are a few, like, I think this Batman was, like, so strange and so silly and self-serious but it 100% sold me. Yeah. And, like, same thing with, like, Watchmen, where it's, like, that guy is essentially, like, a blue god that talked to Gene Smart through a telephone box. Like, that is silly, and yet there was no point where Gene Smart was ever, like, huh, I should stop calling my space boyfriend. Actually, that would be pretty funny. We should send that to HBO. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, and this is something that we talked about after we watched Batman, so I don't want to spend too long on it, but that... The premise of any media based on comics is fundamentally silly. Like, this is a man dressed as a bat. He is dressed as a bat. And there is no amount of, like, you know, Batman Begins kind of backstory (laughs) that you can, like, give it to make that it at all, like, not just the most ridiculous premise. But we love it. That's why we love it. We love the silliness of it. We love the camp of it. And... To embrace that, I think, and, like, treat it as just, like, yep, that's part of the premise. You have bought into this premise, and so you've bought into that aspect of it. Yeah. I love that. And I I think that, you know, there's a tendency, especially now that there's been so many comics, movies, to try and step away from that or be, like, you know, oh, we know that, like, it's silly for this person to have this name, so we'll introduce their name as a joke. Yeah. Or what they did with Batman is they just never called him Batman. They called him Vengeance. Way less silly. Yeah. (laughs) Way (laughs) less. Yeah. But I think with 
the exposition that Marvel tries to do is is very often like kind of presenting this thing that is the premise of Moon Knight. Like yes. this is the premise of the character. Yes. And it's like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's like, well, if it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard, why are we watching this show? It can't be that stupid. Mm-hmm. It has to be fundamentally entertaining. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't call it stupid. We like it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I do think that is part of just, like, the function of the main character, oh, yeah. which is to be, like, so relatable mm-hmm. that it's, like, it could be you in there. Yep. And that, like the earnestness comes from the fact that Mark Spector takes it extremely seriously and Konshu takes it extremely seriously. And that's the show that we're watching and that, like, Stephen Grant is just not on it yet because, okay, so because the reason I bring this up is that yeah. this is where I marked my act two. Mm. And I would actually be curious to see if that's not where you marked it um, because what I wrote here is what we have from the hero's journey, the refusal of the call. Yep. Once again, I don't want any part of this. I am subverting the process, taking the money, and running away. Literally, literally running away. Yes, I also had the same, nice. the same note. Um, I didn't write it down, but that's what I was thinking, was refusal of the call. Yes. Um, which, bef- right before we got to that, I did think there was such an interesting line that Mark said, or Conchu says, we, have a, we had a deal contingent on you not interfering, which I was like, that is so interesting to me because... Clearly, Stephen was part of that conversation that, or not, I mean, not necessarily a conversation, but that Konshu and or Mark were aware of Stephen's persona. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't this, because last week we theorized that maybe, you know, Mark kind of took on Stephen Grant as an alias, but then lost sight of like where he ended and Stephen began. Mm-hmm. But no, clearly Stephen already existed. And that kind of echoes one of Arthur Harrow's lines from later on where he is talking about how, or he asks Stephen, did Conchu pick you because he knew your mind would be easy to break or because you were already broken? Mm-hmm. And I have the same question. Yes, Thanks, it Arthur. is It is confusing because I am like, so does Stephen, like, he thinks he has a mother. Yeah. So does he have a childhood? Like, has Stephen potentially always existed? Like, has Mark gone through phases of, like, being dissociative and then being back and going back and forth? And, like, you know, was Mark in therapy? And so he convinced Khonshu, like, I have my personas under control. Right. And then lost control at some point. And who's who's the original persona? And that was interesting. I mean, we can get to it later in the episode, too. But when... Mark and Steven kind of have their confrontation at the end of the episode mm-hmm. and Steven gets locked inside. He's freaking out and he's like, you, how, how do you do this? Like, you know, how long have you been like this? You're right. So he maybe hasn't been in the mirror dimension. So Steven does, at least hasn't been aware of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mark says to Steven, you built such a good wall between us, but mm-hmm. recently something has changed. Mm-hmm. So it almost makes me... That's an inciting event. Yeah. Something, yeah. something incited something. And Layla, though, has a memory of having been married to Mark. So Mark has, in theory, been the primary persona. Well, and he's the one with the passport as well. Right. So he's the real, per- I mean, I don't want to call him the real person because I love Stephen. I know, and he's real to I me. know. <laughs> but he's the one with a, probably a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. He's the one his parents named. Yes, I... I am very curious about that because just to jump forward a little while we're talking about this, Konshu mentions 
you think you own this body. You were merely a corpse when I found you. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, what the hell is that about? But then, like, I, I don't even know what to do with that yet. Because I'm trying to think of how Stephen Grant would have ever been pushed so far back that Mark had complete autonomy of his body. And yet he's never been, Stephen's never been in the mirror dimension. And he doesn't know when, he somehow has an apartment and a job. Like, he's been existing as himself for a very long time. Yeah. When did this fissure happen? I am so curious. And so to get you know, right back to our beginning of Act 2 where we've marked it, Layla's driving him on her bike and she reveals that she's his wife. Mm-hmm. But she says two things to him. She says, is Stephen the latest fake identity for you? And so to me that suggests she's never encountered Stephen Grant before. Stephen may not be aware of this mirror dimension because he's a relatively new persona and has just never been aware of losing control before. But But other times he gets put in the, like, eyes rolled back dimension where he's sleeping. Yes. So I'm like, is the mirror dimension some sort of, like, acceptance of dual personas, whereas being in denial, you justify it by being asleep? Interesting. Like a a reverse psychology to yourself? Like, no, 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 that was fake. That was a dream. This is just something I'm coming up with right now. Yeah. No, that's really, really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I was thinking about the fact that it sounds like he has had other personalities as well. Yes, and are those aliases or are they personalities? Because there is also a valid reason for Mark Spector to have aliases. He's an agent or something. And so was he like, oh, I'm Mark Spector, but actually I'm, you know, Josh Groban. That would be a really good alias. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of if you're like, you know, a secret agent looking for names, feel free to write that one down. But maybe um, he has had multiple personalities and Layla's been in denial. Like, oh, Mark is, like, playing a little trick on me. Right. She doesn't really know what to do with him when he's insisting on using this accent for a long time. She seems to accept it at first as if it is an alias. Mm -hmm. She says, you know, I think the people who are chasing us are, you know, can't hear you anymore. You can stop doing the accent. But we'll see. I mean, I... Yes, okay, so I have a lot to say about her, which is that, um, yes, she's not buying that he's not Mark. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're doing a little joke. Um, But she is, like, being off-put by all these really little things that keep happening. And these are another, like, really great writing tool that, like, when he's reading that book in French, she can't believe it. And then she's like, that's my favorite book. And he seems to have no recollection of that. Right. Which and I so was he's, like, like subconscious. Very sweet that his, he, Stephen thinks that his favorite book of poems is his wife's book of poem, favorite book of poems. Yes. That he probably, as Mark, never... Was dismissive. Cool French. Yeah. Yes, I, um, I really love that. And, yeah, when he was, like, incredulous about the divorce and mm-hmm. she's, like... I don't even want to talk about this. This is so hard for me. This is what you wanted. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about marriage. (laughs) Um, I would never divorce you. (laughs) I know. I know. And then, but yeah, I also like when he and Mark sort of like come to terms on something where Mm -hmm. it's like Stephen still always wants to do what's right. Yes. And so when Mark is like, you're going to get her killed. Yeah. He's all of a sudden like, oh, I need to turn it on. Like, I'm not here to protect Mark, but I am here to protect this stranger. Yes. I thought that was a great moment where he is fighting Mark. Mark is in the mirror telling him, you know, 
stop, you know, stop talking to her, stop involving her, like, don't, you know, and Stephen's like, so, for being such, I think we said this last week, but for being such a kind of, like, meek-seeming person, he has a lot of steel in him. Yes. And he is very headstrong, and he was absolutely not going to be, you know, cowed into submission Mm -hmm. by Mark telling him what to do until Mm -hmm. Layla's life was in danger. Yes. Which I think is probably like with the poetry, maybe a connecting point in Stephen Grant's identity and Mark's identity. Yes. Because we find out later that protecting Layla is also Mark's primary motivation and perhaps why he was trying to divorce her because yes. Khonshu wants Layla as his next avatar. And maybe Mark is thinking, well, if I divorce from her, then Khonshu... I guess won't think she matters to yeah, me anymore, he'll but I'm forget like, about he's her. in your head. He yeah. knows your plan. He yeah. knows what's up. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, and so then I actually don't have that many thoughts about the next part. Maybe you do. It felt a little too, I hate to say it, plotty for me. Mm. Um, I'm really motivation driven, image driven. It's all about feelings. Then when things start happening, I'm like, ugh, not an event. Not an event. I, I thought that. I enjoyed that scene primarily for the moments where I kind of started to pick up what was happening before it was explicitly told to me, which I think is always fun when you are able to, like, bring in viewers and, like, trust their intelligence and Mm -hmm. know that, like, you don't have to tell us that these people aren't really cops. Mm -hmm. You see the way they're acting in his apartment. Mm -hmm. You see the way she kind of, like, looks. I'm like, what did she see in his bathroom? She looked at the mirror and freaked out, and I'm like... What did, what did she see that I yeah. wasn't seeing in that yeah. moment? And then the, like, that little pyramid that he thinks is a paperweight. We also don't really find out what that is, mm-hmm. but clearly is something significant. And I thought that even though, yes, it was very plotty, the sequence of events worked out so perfectly that, you know, okay, Layla's in... Perfectly. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Layla's in the apartment, you know, she finds the scarab in the bag and is like, you know, I can't believe we fought side by side for this and you were just going to take it. Like, and he's like, have take it. it. It's yeah. yours. Take it. And that kind of builds a little bit of trust between them. Mm-hmm. But then immediately the cops come in yep. and they're looking for the scarab and yep. she is hiding outside and has yep. taken it. And yep. it's kind of like, oh, well, that that works out perfectly. It does. Which, and then, yeah, so and then they get to the little town. Mm-hmm. and this Which is very <laughs> so... Oh, it's so cringe. So I think cringe. it's, I think it's meant to be I cringe. Think it is. <laughs> oh my god! So he's in the cop car and he sees a woman and he's like, "Let me out! Let me out!" Or more like, "Let me out! Let me out!" And then um, she shows her little arm and she has the, the um, yes, the tattoo, the scales of Gator Justice or whatever. <laughs> Gator Justice and. Um, he realizes, like, he's really in for it. Then Harrow comes, and he's like, no, we're good, because potentially, we speculated, Harrow might also have dissociative identities. Mm-hmm. And because he is showing Stephen an immense amount of grace and understanding mm-hmm. and believing him in a way that no one else has, yes. which I think goes really far for Stephen's trust, because he's like, okay, maybe there's something to... 
Konchu being bad, mm-hmm. me thinking Mark is already a bad guy for having guns and doing robberies, mm-hmm. and also doing murders. Yes. Which, which we, they told him in the car. Yes. Very convenient. Oh, you murdered these archaeologists. I'm like, I bet they weren't archaeologists. No, they weren't. Yeah. Execution style. And that's like, what I wrote what in my notes. What other was, style? They weren't Okay, so then they get to cringe town. <laughs> Arthur Harrow is speaking what he says is Mandarin. Uh, yes. To some woman who responds very enthusiastically <laughs> and kind of flirtatiously. I don't know. Then people are watching dolphin videos. <laughs> Arthur Harrow says, You're a vegan, right? <laughs> Which we both work in Boulder. To me, I was like, oh, no. You have to try the lentil soup. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, gosh. Yes, I just, I really, I'm sorry, I have to say a little more about the accents. He just, I think he also at one point speaks Spanish. And then he's like, that's like Jose. He's Argentinian. And you're like, we get it. Like, you're woke, Arthur. Like, you, I don't know. He really... I really hope this show ends up being a commentary on wokeness and how actually it's all bad and thinking you're well, just and I think is it, not in. I think it is because I, I have heard that Arthur Harrow's character was based in part on David Koresh, I think is his name, who was a real world cult leader. Um, and I truly know nothing about him, so I probably shouldn't speculate, but... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, this kind of, like, pseudo, we're all one big family mm-hmm. here. Like, very, I got very, like... It did feel a little we don't see color here. Yeah, very much so. And, like, this kind of, like, commune where we're all good for the people and good for the planet. And yet it's built on this, like, premise of exclusion. Yeah. And who is worthy. And this one singular white dude getting to decide who yes. is worthy or not. Yes. And having the power to kill them. Yes. Um, a big twist, we learn, if assuming he's telling the truth, that uh, Arthur Harrow was the former avatar of Khonshu, Mm-hmm. Which was so interesting to me because I kind of figured it was like a, you know, Supreme Court appointment for life yes i didn't i didn't realize that you could like not be the avatar of Conchu anymore well i mean because because he wants layla to do it yes yes so that's what i was gonna say is that Conchu clearly has some agency and motivation in Mm -hmm. this and i'm wondering if Conchu got disappointed with arthur harrow especially if he does have dissociative identities and one of them doesn't do what he says yeah and so then when Konshu left him, then he becomes, like, the jaded ex-boyfriend who now he's, like, a freaking ancient Egyptian Konshu incel. And he's like, no, we actually hate Konshus around here. Like, Konshus are actually really bad. And then he's like, I actually only, like, have, like, Ahmets. Like, that's actually the good Egyptian god for me. Yeah. Well, and he, he shows Stephen how to not listen to Konshu. Which yes. was an interesting moment that he's like, he can't do anything unless you do it for him. All he yes. can do is make the wind blow. Yes, because I'm not sure what his play is there. Because, I mean, I guess the maybe the play is that 
the suit comes with the god, mm-hmm. and he can be more powerful as Amit when Khonshu and this god are gone. Mm. But it seems like Khonshu doesn't really go anywhere, so I'm like, well, if you convince Steven and Mark to not be Khonshu's avatar, he might get a different, more pliable avatar and go be evil towards you somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know. Wow, what if Khonshu also has bad ex-boyfriend vibes towards Arthur Harrow? I feel like that might be the case. Khonshu's got a personality. He does. He thinks he's funny. Okay, well, are we... A- are we done? No, because we have the um, the battle still. Oh, yes. Well, they have this long, drawn-out philosophical discussion first about, you know, it, whether it's more evil to let evil happen and then punish someone. Is, is vengeance better oh, than yes. this, like, you know... Vengeance is taken! I know. I'm sorry! Revenge! Yeah. You can't say it! We've already got Avengers. We've I, got... Yes! Vengeance. Yes! I'm sorry, but... We've got the Revengers... They got all the Venge words. It's taken. I can't believe that it's not friggin' copyrighted Vengeance <laughs> trademark. But DC I, didn't didn't think that far ahead. Yeah, not like Taylor Swift who's like trying to get them all. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so so oh, I was gonna say we uh, we learn that Stephen Grant draws the line at child murder. That's <laughs> great line. Yes. Yes. And then we get this great Indiana Jones shot of mm-hmm. Arthur Hare going, where's the scarab? Where's the scarab? Where's the scarab? And then we see it held up by a hand and it's glinting in the light. And then Layla's holding it. And I was yes. like, how does she keep finding him? Yes. But I thought It that seems was like shot. she's also like agent level. Like she's, yeah, she, she's on it. She's on it. She fights pretty well. Steven was like, that was awesome. And she punches some dudes. Yes. It's great. Um, yes, are we so then yet? not yet because okay, not yet for me because I think to me, Harrow putting the stick down, mm. summoning yes, the dog, the underground jackal is still act two. Hmm. So, because here's my argument they get into the fight, that is the finale of act two, and act three is Stephen has summoned the suit. Mm. What do you think about that? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because I'm like, that like wraps up act two in this great like cliffhanger, you know, sort of a, you know, a great break point. And then we're on to the next bout of character development, which is that we're going, we're punching, we're losing. We're really weary to enter into act three because that door with the brass... Friggin' lock is just being banged on. Yes. For minutes and minutes. And speaking of refusing the call, Layla is literally... Well, first he says, I'm going to die in an evil magician's man cave, which (laughs) had me rolling. Uh Uh-huh. And then Layla is, like, saying, Mark, 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 I need you, Mark. okay. And there's banging on the door, and she's calling him, and he needs to be Mark, and he needs to be Mark, and and finally she says, Steven! Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I wrote that down too. It was just that, like, yes, I I think she's in denial about it. And then, yes, she is the inciting event for Act 3, which is that she is no longer in denial about it. She is validating to, Mar- or to Stephen that this is reality and that he is two people. Yes. And then he can come to terms with it enough to realize that he 
as Steven, someone who has the power of Konshu, needs to summon his superhuman suit. Yes. Which I I love that it comes out of literally nowhere and there's no mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, when you think about how elaborate Iron Man and Spider-Man... Got nanotechnology. There's so much deep pseudo-scientific explanation for how these things happen. And then when you get the power of a god and it's just like, whoosh, you think about it really hard. And you can think about anything because he thinks of a weird little tumbler sexy suit. (laughs) He is the hottest magician boy in town. He is such a hot magician boy. I also love that he got clotheslined on his way down. I was thinking about Batman. Lovely. Love it. Love our superheroes getting clotheslined. I thought it was really interesting that he still had Steven's personality, though. That he was this suited superhuman with Steven's personality, which to me suggests that when we see Moon Knight in his mummy-wrapped form, that that is Mark's personality in there, yes. which is kind of confirmed later on. That yes. that is, you know, he knows Layla, he recognizes her, he listens to her when yes. she gives her obligatory, get him out of here, line. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did. I actually kind of assumed that in the bathroom mm-hmm. because only because Mark in the first episode, because Mark was saying, I can get us out of this. I can get us out of this. He lets him become Mark. And then Mark instantly turns the suit on. Yes. And so I was like, Mark has some agency in that suit. Interesting. See, and I was thinking in that scene of Mark more as a conduit for Moon Knight and that like he was able to then... Once Steven ceded him control, he was able to tap into his, yes. like, Moon Knight personality. Yes. I think the only thing that made me think they were different people is that, one, Konshu is a bit of a bitch, <laughs> and two, he's got that different floaty head. Yeah. And so I was like, if Moon Knight is more of, like, a different conduit thing, I mean, maybe I guess I didn't really think about what would be under the wrappings, mm-hmm. but I was like, I guess there must be a face under the wrappings, and that's why it's hidden, because otherwise, wouldn't you just get Ghost Birdhead? Right. Right. And I guess I was defining Moon Knight as the mummy-wrapped version of Mark Spector. And then yes, so there in your head, there was like five people. Yes, right? <laughs> there were, were five getting... people. Yes, okay, so something that I wrote down was that when they were getting into the fight, Layla ends up continuing to punch the jackal, even when she can't see him. Like, she yes. is fighting with her life on this thing. And I just thought it was a really great visual because this is moments after she calls him Steven. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly she is now helping Steven literally fight demons that she cannot see. Oh. And I was like, he can see them. He is living Ah. this life. And she is like, I am just here to help. And it was just like, it was all coming together for me. I was like, someone has a real vision. Wow. And so here here I was just writing notes like Fight Club Invisible Opponent. <laughs> punchy punchy big dog. <laughs> such a cool fight scene. Love Layla using bottle. That was such a cool fight scene though. I I loved it. And they it was just such great stunts and stuff. Like there's a point where Layla's like up on a wire, you know, like she's upside down being yeah, held by the jackal and I was ankle. like I just like that there's a lot of effort put into this because I think like we were talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier and Mm -hmm. it's like 
it's so grounded, like a little too much where it's like, okay, these are just a bunch of people like doing little fight sequences, like punching Mm -hmm. and like no shade to the stunt people, but it seems like they didn't even want to bother to like make really elaborate fight scenes. Like so much of them were like cuts and quick shots Mm -hmm. and like, you know, just running around. And this was like almost done in like one shot like the, some of these shots just like linger while you just see people get dragged by buses and like hit around and yeah. we really get to spend time in that fight which was great i feel like these episodes are paced so well and i think it's because most of the dialogue is so tight that so much happens in this episode that when we do get to spend a lot of time on a fight scene it doesn't feel like we've just been watching fight scenes the whole episode and we're mm-hmm. kind of like oh my god when are they gonna no, I up. don't feel that way at all. It was like, wow, we haven't really had any fighting up till this point. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's worth sitting in for a minute. And I just loved because, you know, I just, I want Steven to to come into his own. The line where Mark says, give me control. You can't handle this. And Steven says, I think I can. Yes! It's like, yes, you can, Steven. But then he, like we said earlier, he can't. Well, no. He gives it up. (laughs) No, no, no. He gets hit by a car. (laughs) Yes, so then he ends up becoming Mark Spector Moon Knight, absolutely demolishing the jackal, throwing him on a post. Yeah, that was a big, uh, big werewolf moment. Werewolf gets impaled under the big full moon. Big moon. I wrote big Big moon. moon. (laughs) I don't know how it ended up so close to the earth, but. And I, it seems like it, because I thought maybe it was the same jackal. Like, I was like, does Ahmet, like, have a dog? Mm. And it seems like she maybe just has, like, infinite dog. (laughs) Like, I kind of took it as, like, generic hellhound mm-hmm. that can be summoned when yeah when i was hoping that was like her puppy you know what i mean like i was hoping she's like oh that's joey he just has a regular name um, <laughs> <laughs> <Come> on, joe <laughs> i mean but maybe he can like infinitely repopulate because he's like undead because i don't always know the rules of like being an undead god or whatever an undead god's dog um but yeah so then Mark takes off the mask. Well, oh, okay. No, I was just going to say that moment to me, the suit goes away and I wrote down, is he Mark or is he Steven? Because for the first time, I couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've talked about how Oscar Isaac's acting is so good that from the, I mean, the very first shot of the episode, the way he falls out of bed, Mm -hmm. you're immediately like, that's Steven. Mm-hmm. For the first time, he's just, he's standing there. And it's like, we've just seen Steven fight. Is this Steven reeling from what he's just done? Or is this Mark preparing for what he's about to do? And I couldn't tell and I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's great. My note is also about how good of an actor he is. Um, because that's when Steven says from the mirror dimension... So this is what it's like being on the inside. And then he's like, it hurts. You know, I, I can't de- take it like this. And it's just gut wrenching yeah, because it's, so you feel so bad for Steven. And then you sort of also start to feel bad for Mark yeah. that like the way that Steven is like, give me back the body. Like, I want to be back in there. It's like, well, Mark has claimed to it too. Like, 
you guys need to share. Like, Mark deserves a day in it. I'm sorry. I felt, I was worried that I wasn't going to like Mark and that I was just going to be like, give it back to Steven. Like, let Steven mm-hmm. take it for a spin. But. <laughs> <laughs> give me the keys, mom. <laughs> give me the keys. But. They're going to have to go to Konshu to moderate. <laughs> Can I have the body for 20 minutes? I've got I'm a still date, with my please. wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, but. Just in that moment, the way that you see Mark's face, you see Stephen. Stephen is scared, and Stephen is also empathetic. And he says, "Is this what it's like for you? Mm-hmm. How how do you how do you do this?" And Mark says, "You get used to it." Yeah, and it's like, the mirrors help. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do love the exposition that it's like. They're still explaining the yeah. like scientifics of this universe, but it's working because I was like. Are you in the mirror? Are you asleep? And right. Th- it was answering questions that I had in yes. that moment, yes. as opposed to telling me a bunch of information that I did not know I was requesting. Mm-hmm. But I really felt for Mark, and I was like, yeah, let him let him have the body for a little. I and know. I also felt, I mean, then we cut to, well, first, Arthur Hero kills a poor homeless guy who found the scarab. Uh, I was like, why'd you have to kill him? Yeah. Just took a scarab from him. But Mark and Khonshu have a little chat. Mm-hmm. Mark says, when I've repaid... Oh, first he says to Stephen, when I've repaid my debt, you'll never see me again, which to me had such double meaning of like, does it mean that Stephen will be fully in control or does it mean that Mark will be fully in control and Stephen will no longer have a consciousness and therefore will never see Mark again? Yes. I don't know what it means. I was thinking that it meant Mark will cease to exist because one, mm. Mark seems so self-sabotaging mm. and just like he did something horrible to get occupied by Konshu. He had to end his marriage and he was potentially a corpse when Konshu found him. So he had already, like, been a goner. And so I wonder if, like, Mark feels like he's postponing the inevitable. Like, I should have, I should no longer exist. I'm a dead man walking. Like, I'm ready to call it. And I'm stuck in purgatory Interesting. with Konshu. See, I read it the opposite way, which was that Mark owes Konshu a debt, not just for his life, but also for being a thief. Mm-hmm. For looting a pyramid, for, you know, doing something unjust mm-hmm. that Khonshu wanted to avenge. And that this was part of the deal that Mark could be breathing, alive as in breathing, but not alive as in living his life. Right. He had to become somebody else, lock him, lock his own persona away leave his wife right and basically exchange breathing for you know actually being able to walk around and have a conscious life and so to me when he's fulfilled his debt i think that he thinks that he'll get to be mark again and get to go back to layla i don't know but yeah that's how i read it yeah i think it's i hope only time will tell I hope so too. I am also just really interested why Konshu wants Layla as Mark's replacement. I don't know if he 
is just doing that to kind of hold it over Mark's head and mm-hmm. basically threaten him and keep him doing his bidding for longer than Mark might otherwise feel obligated to. Mm-hmm. Or if there is something about Layla that he actually wants. And right. if so, why doesn't he just go take, take her? her? Yeah. I think it's more for the leverage. Yes. Okay, I only have one more thought. Mm-hmm. Which is this excellent exchange into the finale. Which is, where are we going? Where the hell do you think? <laughs> and then, cut to... Not a place that we know, which is very funny to me. Where the hell do you think? Not there, because what I wrote down is a hot and sexy drinking room. (laughs) I was like, I didn't think that's where we were going. But Oscar Isaac is just one Stephen Grant, hot, sweaty, in the mirror, (laughs) looking so post-coital and... Not very happy to be there. Sheets are on the floor. Everything, the room is a disaster. And then Mark Spector is on the floor, also very hot and sexy, drinking. (laughs) And it turns out the place we are is Egypt. Egypt. I did kind of, when he said, where the hell do you think I was, my first thought was probably Egypt. (laughs) But (laughs) I had no idea, and so then I was like, no! Like, well, because they're, they're trying to... St- I mean, Arthur Harrow ends up with a scarab that they've been basically trying to keep out of his hands. So I kind of thought, well, Arthur Harrow is definitely going to Egypt because he's trying to find Ahmet's tomb. Did we say that? Arthur Harrow is trying to find Ahmet's tomb. Yes. That's the whole point of this yes. little scarab thing. It's a compass yes. of a sort. No, I guess, I mean, I yeah. thought they were going to Egypt, but then when they were in the bedroom, I oh, thought yeah. it was going to be like, where the hell do you think we're going? And then it's like, cut to pyramid, but instead it's, it's cut like, to well, interior in- bedroom. <laughs> Which, like, no. Yeah. Although, the only thing that I was looking at at this shot is, he's wearing a fucking Star of David! He's Joe Ash! I am so happy. I hope that's not the only thing. I uh, hope it's not just like, well, we bought a $5 prop and hung mm-hmm, it around his neck. Mm-hmm. and uh... I know, because it seems like, well, yeah, I guess they wear the same clothes. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say, oh, Mark is Jewish. But I'm like, I know that from the comics. Yeah. Stephen Grant might be Jewish, and he was wearing Star David, even though he shares a body. Yes, that I wasn't sure about. Because my first thought was like, Star of David. Oh, that's Stephen. That's Mark. Mark's wearing a Star of David. Stephen's also wearing a Star of David. But then I was like, well, I guess for the most part, they've been wearing the same clothes. Yes, There's, in there the was like dimension. one or two moments that they weren't wearing the same clothes. Really? I think. Interesting. I think so. But, well, no. Because when he puts on the Mr. Knight suit, Mark also is wearing it in his reflection. Maybe I just was looking down at my phone, taking notes when he took takes off the mask mm-hmm. in front of the bus. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, Mark's not wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. But I think Stephen had also taken off the mask. Yes. At any rate, I don't think that Stephen knows he's Jewish. That's what I was thinking, yes. Which was, that made it so much more interesting to me that the, this is the first scene that we have opened in Mark's point of view. And the first thing we see is him wearing a Star of David and... Wow. I was like, okay. Maybe there is is something there. Hopefully. Because the no shirt really emphasizes the necklace. Yeah. Mm. It was glinting in that light. It was. (laughs) Mm. Oh, something we didn't talk about. One of the things that Layla says 
to Steven when they're in his apartment is she sees the bed with the little ankle restraints on it. And her first thought is, is there someone living here with you? And he's like, oh, no, it's my mom's flat. And <laughs> she's like, oh, so you're talking to your mom again? Yes. Which to me was like, A, who the hell has Stephen been talking to on his phone mm-hmm. if B, Mark Spector does not talk to his mother? So it's mm-hmm. clearly not Mark's mom. Mm-hmm. Who is he talking to? Yes. I saw some fan theories that um, Mark spoofs as people Stephen talks to. And that, like, Mark has a voicemail box for Stephen's mom. Mark accepts these, like, postcards that Stephen writes from the gift shop. And then writes back. Yep. Hmm. That's a really good theory. Yeah. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a high time to wrap it up. I think it's high time to wrap it up. I don't have anything else to say other than, why did they keep doing slow-mo shots? (laughs) I don't know. And there's that one still of him. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I was like, they're trying to make Steven into this goofball. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying so hard to make his fear funny. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, on the one hand, I get it. Like, he is the guy that we laugh at. He's the idiot with the body. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I was like, let it be scary. Like, let's get a little scared Conchu's in here. scary. Conchu is scary. I agree. I think you could go a little more scary. Network TV has been scarier. Mm -hmm. Lost is scary. Sorry, everyone. That's the verdict. Lost is scary. (laughs) Lost is scary. And, um, yeah, I think we could could go a little more scary here. Because, yeah, a lot of times they're really pulling their punches on the scares. Mm -hmm. You get a little scared and then you get a little laugh. Don't forget, Conchu is funny. Yep. Conchu swears. Yeah. Uh, What do you think is going to happen next week? I think we're going to start the process of... Steven and Mark fighting over who gets the body. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like so much was kind of set up in this episode that is taking the show in a way that I feel like I could very much predict. And I hope there's something that's going to surprise me. Yes. Because I was like... You mean a little too much like Egypt plot? Yeah. Like, "Eh, we're going to go get the thing and... I'm like, okay, Arthur Harrow has the scarab. He's going to go to Egypt They're going to fight in a tomb. Okay, so we saw in the trailer there's a big column of purple light shooting out of the top of a pyramid. Well, now we've seen his little staff thing that makes a purple melty thing in the floor. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's going to succeed probably in at least beginning the resurrection of Amit. Yeah. Stephen Grant slash Mark Spector is presumably going to stop him. Like, I think that the... (laughs) Presumably, unless we're getting another Thanos and half the world's going to die. But I think the part that I... I want to be surprised by Stephen Grant, but I also feel like with what they have done so far in this episode, already with starting to give him more agency, starting to give him like, you know, he can hold his own in a fight. I hope that they have surprises left up their sleeve. And Me that too. it's not just kind of like, oh, okay, they're going to go fight Arthur Harrow in Egypt and Stephen's going to learn how to punch. Yeah. But I, it sucks because we're saying we don't want it to be too predictable, and yet I really want those two things to happen. Well, yeah. I want those two things to happen, and I want yeah something that I didn't see coming to yeah. come sock me. Which, you know, I hope it does. I think it will. Me too. Please, Marvel. Please. Please. <laughs> Fulfill our little fan service needs and still be a little surprising. Is that so much to ask when you only have 30 original properties? 
What, is there no new ideas on this earth? There's 10,000 comic books. There's gotta be something original in there. There's gotta be something. I'm just... I don't know. Maybe he'll go home to his rabbi dad and we'll... Yes, let's go to Chicago. Let's go to Chicago. Hot dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs. <laughs> we are here to advocate on behalf of all hot dogs. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it for me. I uh, I don't have anything else about the show. Do you have anything to plug? No. Follow me on Instagram. Follow us on... Don't follow me. Follow us. Follow us. We have an Instagram now. It's all genre to me. Email is all genre numerical to... No, it's not. There's no it's. It's... <laughs> Try that again. The email is all genre numerical to me at gmail.com. Yes. Email us. Fan theories. Yeah, fan theories, ideas. Maybe we'll read them on the show. Um, if you're funny. <laughs> if you're not, simply fuck off. Um, yeah, Rage of Baldwin 56 on all things. And uh, that's about it for me. What about you, Rebecca? Um, well, I have still got my Moon Knight article up at HeyAlma.com, and I have a blog. You Let's wanna, get after it. You want to read my blog? Yeah. It's not about Marvel, but it's about Jewish holidays, new new moon, new month, moon night. Close. Close. Close yeah. enough. RebeccaGlazer.com. Nice. Uh, and then on social media, at GlazerDonut. Excellent. Okay, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. It's all genre to me. This episode was edited by Rachel Baldwin, mixed and mastered by Brockman Day, theme song written and performed by Rachel Baldwin, music created and mastered by Brockman Day, artwork by Rebecca Glazer.